Look at you, you're here. It's January, the weather's been weird, but you're here, you're alive. It's good. Um, I haven't seen you in a while, it's been a couple of years, but uh, what a church you guys are. Um, I wanted to see you last year, me and Pastor Josh were trying to tee it up, but um, yeah, it was just a, it was a year. I took on a church, and, um, um, and I think last time I was here I shared that me and my wife were trying for five years for a baby, and we have one, uh, which is exciting. So I think, I, think uh, I took a picture two nights ago just for this of us. There's little Micah, uh, and then I think there's one of us reading a bedtime story together a couple of nights ago. And so I am completely undone. Uh, she's going to have whatever she wants. She's gonna, she can start dating when she's 35. Um, and uh, she's the love of my life. And so um, that's good. I think there's a photo of my wife somewhere too. Um, there she is. Look, I'm, what I don't like is I go around the world and preach. And the response, no matter creed, tongue, or language, is, oh, it's like, how did he do that? And my response to you this morning would be, shut up. And so, <laughs> uh, that's my bride, I love her, we've been together 10 years, uh, and on November 19th of last year, uh, we took on the leadership of our church from my amazing parents who've been pastoring for 10 years, and dad's heading into semi-retirement, he's still ministering and doing some celebrancy, but it's been good, I want to tell you, be nice to your senior pastors, it is a different gig, woo, <laughs> I'm fine, but wow, like, Oh, man, I'm not going to say I miss being a youth pastor, but wow! Um, anyway, you didn't come to hear about my insecurities or my therapy needs. Uh, you came to hear about Jesus. Uh, I want to encourage you, before I get into the sermon this morning, I really want to encourage you to come back tonight. Uh, really, I feel the assignment this morning is I want to build your faith. Uh, but tonight, I want to impart something to you by the laying on of hands. Uh, and so we're going to have a great time this morning, but I want to encourage you, do the double. Get someone to look after the kids, get some takeout, drive back, uh, and I promise I'll preach good and be funny. Um, I, I want to share with you a sermon that I shared with my church last week. So this is hot off the press. This is not, uh, I, I'll be honest, I have one of my conference messages ready, and the Lord said, don't preach that. And I said, what do you want me to preach? He said, preach New Year, same God. I said, but the Lord, Lord, that was for my church, and I was pretty blunt. He's like, yep, bring that. And, and I said, why? And the Lord said this to me. The Lord said, C3 Powerhouse is coming into a year different to the years before. For there has been about four or five years, and I'm saying this prophetically, I don't know anything. There's been about four to five years of, of consistent and steady building. But that platform of building in 2024 is going to lead to a year of increase. But it's not going to be because you have some of, honestly, the most anointed senior pastors I've ever met. They're known globally. It's not about how good the leadership is, the worship is. It's about something activating in you. And so as I preach this morning, I pray that I don't offend you. Uh, and I pray that something would be set alight on the inside of you. If anything I do say offends you, please email me at joshstott at c3church.com. I... Uh, I was thinking about 2024, and I was thinking about the best thing about this year is that we serve the same God. Yeah. Uh, in the midst of the January, we're so funny as humans. Hey, I'm the same. I'm not throwing judgment. January comes around, and we're like, it's new year. It's new me. I'm going to stop eating Maccas. I'm going to work out seven times a week. And uh, deep down here, a little part of us knows we're not. Oh man, I'm gonna do that there. I'm gonna, and it's like, I don't wanna be negative this morning, but January doesn't hold any power. 
January can't make you healthy, wealthy, sexy, or wise. January can't anoint you. January can't send you into your calling. But as humans, we're a bit like, oh man, woo, 2023. Someone came up to me a couple weeks ago and they said, Pastor, they didn't have a southern accent, but it's funnier if I do that. They said, Pastor, God's going to bless you, your house, and your church in 2024. And like, I agree. I think God's going to bless me this year. I think God's going to bless you. But I think that's always his prerogative. <laughs> I don't think on January 1st, Jesus wakes up and goes, oh, oh January 1st, oh, better shoot the blessings out. <laughs> oh, better top up the atonement. <laughs> no, he's outside of time. Yeah. He wants to bless you. Yeah. The only thing that moves in the relationship between us and God is us. And so I don't want you to, if you've just started a new health plan, go girl. If you've just done a new diet, praise God. If you've just, if you're doing this and that and you've got a journaling thing and you're doing the Bible shred, amen. But the power is not in the start of a calendar. The power is in what you do. Your life will move in the direction of your disciplines. This year, it's not necessarily, even though, which you'll come to know about me, I love the laying on of hands, the moving of the spirit, the shakaraba shundo, like I love it, man. But at the end of the day, if you fall over and your life doesn't change, you just got carpet burn. Actually, what you do away from the keyboard, away from the church, away from the sexy foyer, away from this beautiful facility is where your life will move. Jesus doesn't want us this year to live encounter to encounter. He wants us to have daily bread. He wants us to meet with him daily. And as we do that, our life will shift. New season, same God. New job, same God. New interest rates, hello. Same God. New war, same God. New natural disaster, same God. New calendar season, same God. New family dynamics, same God. And his prerogative remains the same, that the Lamb of God would receive the reward of his suffering, which is cities and nations. His prerogative for Kiwana hasn't changed. His mission for Sunshine Coast to Brisbane and everywhere in between hasn't changed. We just change in our excitement about that mission. Sometimes it's like, oh man, as a church, we've got a God mission. I want to challenge you and say, no, no, no. God's mission has a church. We're not fitting God into our vision statement. <laughs> I promise I'll be funner in a sec. <laughs> but I want to tell you, it's different for the people of God. Sometimes in Pentecostal circles, we're, we're scared of, of preaching a prosperity gospel. And I, I'm not one to be like, you know, you see a Tesla, name it, claim it, like, let's go. But what I am about is that we live in a different economy and system to the rest of the world. The year doesn't determine my blessing, God does. The calendar doesn't determine my anointing, God does. The economy doesn't determine my tithing, <laughs> God does. The situation determine, doesn't determine my joy, God does. The critic doesn't determine my love for the local church, God does. And the spirit of the age doesn't determine my ideology, God does. So really, this year, you need to look into the eyes of God. Oh, because the devil's going to yell at you. Oh, the economy's going to yell at you. If I hear one more person complain about fuel, say, oh man, he must be well off. I'm not. <laughs> I promise you I'm not. <laughs> but we, we have to live differently. 
if the circumstance of the world changes our church attendance, our faith levels or our giving or our serving or the way we do family, we are not a Christian. We are just someone that is pushed around by the winds and the waves. Kiwana needs to see a church that comes hell or high water goes, hey, we're going to be here. You know where to find us. We're going to be praying, we're going to be believing, we're going to be standing, we're going to be generous. And watch what happens. As you're generous, as you serve, as you lean in, as you do those things, all ships rise on the tide and you as a collective will be blessed. The devil this year, let me me give you a secret. Preachers usually give you a prophetic word from God. Let me give you a prophetic word from the devil. Bear with me. This is, this is the devil's word over a lot of you this year. Wait. Because what he does is he's a garbage prophet, right? So he just prophesies the same thing every year. Don't wait. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't step out. Just wait. But look at what it says here uh, in Scripture, in the Gospel of John. Don't have the saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So the world would say recession, lack, poverty, and isolation. Not so for the people of God. For when God says to the fig tree, produce, the season and natural surrounds don't matter. When God says, cast your net to the other side, it doesn't matter how long you've been fishing. For when God says, feed the people, it doesn't matter how much you think you have. If it's his will, it's his bill. See, I want to deposit some faith in you that so in 2024, you're a little bit crazy. And what I mean by that is everyone's going, why would you do that? God said, why would you buy that? God said, why would you move from Canberra? God said, why would you start tithing? God said, why would you serve more? God said, why'd you go to conference? God said, and really God said is the metric of your 2024. That in the annals of history, they look back and go, what did Betsy and Clive do in 2024? Well, they did what God said. Despite the environment, they did what God said. For the pattern of Scripture is not an anxious Savior waiting for the climate to be more favorable, but rather a Jesus who healed on the Sabbath and cast demons out in the church. The culture and the spirit of the age will always give you a reason to abandon your faith. I want to tell you a story about me and my friend Martin. Uh, If we've got that, if we could put it up, it's me and and an older gentleman called Martin. There's me and Martin. So uh, we had baby Micah in, uh, when was it? (laughs) August. Um, I was there. Um, And uh, we were rocking, we were both rocking 2011 i30s. Nothing wrong with the i30. It's a great car, but with a car seat in it, there's not much room. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to surprise Anna and get her a new car. So I headed down to Tesla. I'm just kidding. I headed down to MG, the demo section, and I was like, let's see what we can pull off. And I walked in and I'd come straight from the gym, which is why I look so, you can keep that photo up, which is why I look so trim and athletic and just amazing. <laughs> and... Uh, I walked in and I said, hey, I'm looking to get a demo car. And Martin stands up from from this desk area and he goes, mate, I can help you. I thought, here we go, car salesman. This is November, just a couple months ago. So he takes me into his office and we sit down and I'm going, okay, here we go. I'm going to have to stay to my budget and da-da-da-da. And he leans forward. He shuts the door of his office. He's the floor manager and he goes, I died once. I said, what? He said, 
I died once. It was in New Zealand. I had a heart attack and they had to bring me back with defibrillators. I said, okay. I was very unsure of what was happening. He then leans on his desk and goes, I think there might be a God. I said, I, said, I agree, but what is going on? He said, well, when I died, I can remember it. And, and I had a heart attack on the ski slopes in New Zealand. And I remember as they were trying to bring me back, I remember sort of floating in this dark room. And I remember feeling like peace and joy were in front of me, but fear and dread were underneath me. And then I came back. What do you think of that, mate? I said, Martin, I don't know. I said, Martin, why are you telling me this? This is what he said. He said, I just felt like you would get it. See, this is the thing. The harvest is now. See, if you chase Jesus, the rest will chase you. And so I sort of in my head said, Lord, is this you? The Lord said, what do you think? I said, okay, fair enough. I began to speak with Martin. The Lord tells me this. This is, this is just a couple of months ago. The Lord says, I'm an MG in Redcliffe. The Lord says, tell Martin he's got a prophetic gift. I said, Lord, can I say something like, Jesus loves you, you're awesome. God said, no, tell him he's got a prophetic gift. I said, Martin, I think you might have a prophetic gift. Martin goes, what's that? I began to explain to him what the gift of prophecy is. He slams his hand down on the table. I wet my pants. He stands up and goes, that's happened to me my whole life, mate. He begins to recount to me words of knowledge. He's not a believer. Words of knowledge he's had over his life. For his grandma, he's seen in the spirit, things he's seen all through his life. I'm there and I'm going, what do we do now? God goes, pray for him. I said, yep. I said, Martin... Mate, and the reason I'm raising this is because everything in me, senior pastor of a church, got to preach at some good churches, preached at Hillsong Sydney last year. I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this. And the voice, you know the one, oh, this is weird. Oh, you're going to overdo it. You're going to freak him out. Everyone's looking. I said, Martin, I'd love to pray for you. He goes, absolutely, mate. Stands up and walks out of his office. I said, what is going on? He stands on the showroom floor. This is no preacher's license, like this. I said, Martin, what are you doing? Get back in the office. He goes, mate, I just, this is what Martin said, a non-believer. He said, mate, I figured if you're going to pray for me, let's do it in front of people. Yeah, I know, Martin's much more spiritual than me. Shut up. And so it's funny though, right? Like, I just want to paint this picture of like, it's hard when there's no keyboard. And you don't have 300 people that are like, I mean, it'd be so good if I could have been like, Sister Keyboard, would you come? Uh, tell the general manager to dim the lights in MG. Do you know what I mean? Just have Darlene in the background singing. Maybe have David Hall catch for me, you know? But, but none of that happened. Martin's just standing there in the middle of MG. And so I walk up to him and I said, Martin, lift your hands to heaven. Do whatever feels natural. He puts his hands up. I pray for him. I said, God, thank you that you love Martin. Who knows that when you engage with your faith and you realize God is with you, you start to not care about what's around you. So I start praying. I start getting excited. I'm like, God, thank you that you've called him as a prophet. We start praying. Martin starts shaking. I'm just going to be super honest with you. Straight away, that voice, I'm like, Martin, stop shaking. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Enough. I said, Martin, 
What do you feel? Now, I'm quoting Martin, so online, bear with me. Martin goes, mate, oh, he's being loud too. I'm like, shut up. He's like, mate, oh, that bloody amazing. I didn't say that. Martin said it. And so we were just, and then I was going to leave. I was so, like, overwhelmed. And the Lord's like, ask him if he wants to accept me. I'm like, oh, Martin, do you want to accept Jesus in your heart? He goes, oh, I'd, I'd love to, mate. So we stand there in MG with me in my gym gear, sweating, and Martin gives his heart to the Lord. What's the point? Do not let the devil talk you out of the harvest. This year there is a harvest. Don't let him talk you out of it. I want to, as we, I guess, go into the second uh, phase of this message, I want to go into the, the Gospel of Luke, and I want to look at a story of Jesus. I want to look at uh, him coming out of the wilderness and then preaching his first sermon. Uh, it's going to be on the screen. We're going to just read the first passage. Luke 4, 13 says this. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed, bless you, from him until an opportune time. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Sometimes I think we read scripture and we're kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool. No, this happened. Like Jesus was tempted by the devil. Like, some of us can't resist the temptation of, like, a cinnamon donut. Like, the devil came to Jesus and for 40 days tempted him. 40 days. 40 days. And when the devil had ended, he departed from him until an opportune time. Two things I want to grab from this. The first thing I want to grab from it is Jesus' ministry is about to start after 30 years. God put skin on, and for 30 years, he lived in obscurity. We only know two things about Jesus before then. We know that he was born, and we know that his parents left him at Coles. Um, <laughs> when he was, if you knew, his parents left him at the synagogue when he was teaching when he was 12. I was just trying to be funny. And so, but at 30, Jesus is thrust into the pages of history. Uh, what's my point? If you're in the waiting right now, you're in great company. 30 years of development and learning and submission for three powerful years of ministry. Lots of us want 30 seconds of development and submission and 30 years of ministry, 30 years of impact. But Jesus himself was cocooned in submission to the Father. He did a trade and then he was pushed forward. The second thing I want to grab from it is the word opportune. The devil left Jesus until an opportune time. Dr. Michael Maiden says this, spiritual warfare is reminding the devil that he is defeated and reminding myself that God is on the throne daily. It, Jesus got tempted again. Some of us are like, I'm going to bind the devil and I'm never going to go through anything again. It's like, no, no, we have to do that like weekly. Some of us have weak muscles when it comes to spiritual warfare. We intercede, pray and fast for like two days and we're wondering why our year isn't free of attack. See, the problem is we view spiritual warfare the way we view a diploma. We think we can graduate. No one graduates from spiritual warfare. This year, you don't get to graduate from intercession, prayer, binding the devil, casting him out of your house, praying over your kids, pleading the blood, praying for healing. It's a continuous thing. If we move forward to the next verse, it says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report, another translation says, His fame, His renown about Him went out throughout the surrounding country. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Now watch this. 
Luke takes the time to record that Jesus came out of the wilderness with power. Now, what is confusing about that is Jesus clearly had power at all times. There hasn't been a time in history where he hasn't been part of the triune God. Paul even writes that it pleased God for the Godhead bodily to dwell in his son Jesus. But there is a marketed change. There is a level shift when Jesus comes back into Galilee. If Jesus resisted temptation and then had a fresh encounter, how much more do we? If Jesus needed daily bread, listen, the reason some of you are not going into Galilee or your work or your uni or your space or your family or your sphere with power is because your bread is 20 years old. We need daily bread. The problem is we're overeducated and under-anointed, and so we serve the people of God stale bread. And so we all sort of come to church. I'm not talking about us because we're all fired up and love God. But we come to church and we sit there and we clap. And what we do is we go on Christian autopilot and we wonder why we don't see revival in our region. But Jesus gives us a great model. Resist temptation, have an encounter. Resist temptation, have an encounter. If Jesus needed daily bread, how much more do we? It says power. The Greek word there is dunamis, which means refers to the power, miraculous works, spiritual gifts manifest in an individual's life through the Holy Spirit's anointing. What's interesting is the Bible never records that Jesus asked for those things. It doesn't say, and then Jesus prayed to the Father for anointing. Jesus prayed to the Father for miracle working power. Stay with me. Through being with the Father, resisting the devil and defeating temptation, what was on the Father became displayed through the Son. So as you spend time with the Father, resist the devil, and defeat temptation, what is on him will get on you. Oh, it's fine to ask God for healing, anointing, and miracles, but it's better to ask God for intimacy. Because those who abide in him will bear much fruit. And so this year, as, as, a, as me, I'm not praying for a high level of anointing. I'm not praying for signs and wonders. I'm not praying for demons to flee when I minister, even though I want all of that to happen. I'm praying, because of my personality type, for the focus and ability to abide. For the focus and ability to have intimacy with God. And it's so annoying, because it's time-consuming. And we're all busy. <laughs> You're all quiet, because it's true. First thing to disappear from the daily calendar is time with God. We rationalize every excuse. Work, bills, kids, demons, whatever it is. (laughs) Let us not in 2024 desire the gift over the giver. For when that happens, we become the prodigal asking for our inheritance aside from intimacy with God. If we go ahead to the next passage of Scripture... Says this, and he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, someone say custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. If Sister Keyboard could join me, that would be phenomenal. If Brother Keyboard could join me, that would be phenomenal as well. As was his custom. I love it when the Bible includes that phrase, it makes me think of Daniel when he went and prayed facing Jerusalem, it didn't say, and then Nebuchadnezzar changed the laws so Daniel prayed more. It says, and, and as was Daniel's custom. 
Jesus going to the temple wasn't just a new thing, it was a custom. Can I propose to you today that in 2024, you need holy habits in your life that anchor you? Oh, great. Is he about to do a thing on like the habit of church, the habit of serving, the habit of reading my Bible, the habit of tithing? Yes. There is no shortcuts to spiritual discipline. When I, when I took on the leadership of our church with my wife, my, my wife is the senior pastor as well. She's just on maternity leave. But when I took on, I was praying to the Lord and I said, Lord, I really want to do this well. <laughs> as opposed to doing it poorly. I, I really want the church to grow. I really want to build people. I really want to empower and stir revival in our region. I felt the Lord say this, create customs, son. Create habits. Yeah. I said, cool, Lord, like, like I will and I have, but like, he's like, no, 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 you have to understand. And this is what he said to me, and I haven't told anyone this. I didn't even say this in my message last week to my church. He said, Fred, the reason why my sons are falling all over the world in mega churches and major movements as they neglected the habits that they started with. Wow. Things that used to be their custom all of a sudden became conference. Things that used to become habit became rare. And son, if you want to do this well, you need to stay real close to me. What's your custom this year? What are you going to set up? How are you going to shift your family? How are you going to see the gifts move at home? How are you going to create better prayer life? I don't know about you, but I'm committing to show up, love my family, pray daily, serve, tithe. And I'm doing these things because I understand that holy habits drive my development. Let me stand on your toes just one more time today, C3. One time, when your life is done, and I pray it's a long, beautiful, fulfilled life, you will not stand before the busyness of your schedule. You will not stand before the pastor that hurt you. You will not stand before the spouse that betrayed you. You will not stand before the event that sidelines you. You will stand before a God of heaven and earth and he will say this, what did you do with what I put in your hand? I'm not trying to be dramatic or heavy this morning, but I believe we are in a time, and I believe this is a year for revival to break out in all churches and all denominations. But to do that, it's not so much about the leaders or the senior pastors or the level of worship or the facility. It's about the people of God, the living stones who have been set apart and made a royal priesthood. So what would your custom be this year? We go on, and I'm almost done. Are you okay this morning? I just, I just want to stir you and equip you for the year at hand. We go on and Luke records the first public sermon of Jesus. Man, this is, this is wild. God with skin on his first sermon. Woo, imagine if you knew, if you were there. It's like, oh man, Jesus about to preach his first sermon. What's he gonna do? Maybe he'll do some analogies. Maybe he'll get a harpist up. Who knows what he's going to Maybe he'll tell us something about the realms of heaven. He does none of that. He just copies someone else's sermon. He quotes the prophet Isaiah. And then he says this. And we're going to read that section later. He begins speaking to them and says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. Man, Jesus had authority. In his first sermon, he walked into a packed out church full of religious leaders. The Sanhedrin would have been there. 
and he quotes Isaiah, and then he basically says, and I am that. Jesus is such a gangster. It's so awesome. Like he's so, like he just, you know, like just mic drop. And today that is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, what's my point? Jesus was anointed and had authority. When you've got authority, you don't need to strive. We've all been in those services, never here or at KCC, but we've all been in those services where the preacher is 50 minutes in trying to convince us that he's drilling the oil when we all know there's none there. What's our plan? To exhaust people into an encounter? When you have authority, you don't need to boast, you don't need to flex, you don't need to yell, you don't need to do anything. People just know. You listen to Bill Johnson, he doesn't yell like I do and get all excited, but you watch him and you go, that's someone who knows God. Jesus preached a sermon recounting something from the Torah and then said, oh, by the way, I'm that. I want to ask you this morning, do you have authority? Does your workplace even know you're a believer? Or has the enemy convinced you to wait? Wait. It's crazy when we look back and think of how much we've waited. In the name of what? Oh, what if they don't like me? Then they don't like you. What if, what if, what if it's awkward? It will be. What if, what if it feels strange? It is. I acknowledge it when I'm outreaching on planes and in Westfield, which the Lord seems to always tell me to outreach on planes and in Westfield is so annoying. I let them know. I'm like, by the way, this is probably weird. But this is what I'm feeling. Come on, you got authority from heaven. You don't need to wait. All right, I'm almost done. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm, I'm a couple minutes. I'm done. This is what Jesus read to the people. Starting, it says this, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll. This is so epic. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Stay with me. I'm building to something. Remember what I said at the start. The calendar has no power. You need to understand that the passage of the Torah that Jesus was preaching from was most commonly associated with the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee happened every 50 years. uh, And in the year of Jubilee, debts were forgiven Slaves were released and land was taken back. You, you have to understand what a, this almost got him killed in the, the next chapter. He's saying, hey, hey. <laughs> He's saying, hey, church. I'm here. You don't need to wait another 50 years. I can imagine the, 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 the Pharisee that was over the calendar being like, it's not the year of Jubilee. I've got 30 years to prepare. What's going on? What is he talking about? Jesus is saying, Hey. I am Jubilee. I've come. Your salvation, your freedom. Slaves will be set free. Land will be taken back. I am Jubilee. It's no longer a calendar event. That was a type and a shadow for me. And the whole room would have been like, what? I don't understand. We've gotten so safe in our religious tradition. And Jesus is like, I'm him. 
Jubilee is no longer a date, it's a person. See, through your freedom, anointing, breakthrough, debt being paid, land being taken back, it's not about January, February, April, May. It's about a God that died on a cross and said, I've come. I'm here. I am your jubilee. This, I believe this, man. This is going to be your best year yet as a church. I prophesy. I speak it into the spiritual climate of this room. But it's not because you're awesome. You are. It's not because you have world-renowned senior pastors. You do. It's not because you have a foyer that I want to steal and drive home with me tonight. You do. It's because there's a man whose name is Jesus. And he stands over Kiwana and he looks and he goes, I want my sons and daughters back. And if you would lean in and if you would engage, God would do great things in the region. I feel over you that verse in Joshua that said, if my people would consecrate themselves and pray tomorrow, I would do wonders among them. Hey, it's a new year, but it's the same God. It's a new year, but it's the same mission. Band, if you come join me, that'd be awesome. Church, your joy has come. Your freedom has come. Your breakthrough has come. Your forgiveness has come. May our intimacy with God not be like our January gym membership. <laughs> Where for four weeks, we're like, I'm, I'm doing this thing. And in February, we're like, I'm kind of doing the thing. And in March, we're like, I'm tired of the thing. <laughs> Let us not treat God the creator of heaven and earth, like an exercise bike that we partially commit to. But rather, let's look into 2024 and go, this is my year of jubilee. Hey, have you lost some land? Let's take it back. Hey, do you have some debts? Let's see them cleared. Hey, do you know some family and friends that have been enslaved? Let's believe that because of the power of God, they'd be set free. You got a son or a daughter away from God? Let's believe. This is their year. Oh, but I believed that last year. Good. And if they're not back by 2025, let's prophesy it, declare it, declare it, decree it again. For he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the father of lights in whom there is no turning of shadow. This is the God we serve. And I don't know about you, but both individually, for my family, and for my church, I take great comfort in the fact that the one that moves is never him. Oh, and that's a confronting truth because then the only place to look is inward. But I want to tell you this morning, God has not moved. I would love to pray for some people today. I really want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to get a little bit, a little bit wild in the best way. But... I'll pray for some people this morning as well, but just, just quickly in this place, we, we just want to check. C3 always wants to check that if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, or if you're in this place and maybe you knew him a long time ago, I'm not asking, do you go to church or did you have water sprinkled on you as a kid? I'm asking right now today, do you have an active living relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him? And so what I would ask just quickly is if we'd all close our eyes and bow our heads just to give these people a moment of privacy. And if you're in here and you would say, Fred, I, I've walked away from God, or Fred, I've never really known God. No one's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out of your seat. But if that's you in this place and you want to say, yeah, I need to commit to the Lord. 
On the count of three, I'd love you to just give me a wave and then put your hand back down. Online, this is for you as well. If you're sitting at home and that applies to you, wave at the screen, put something in the chat. But if that's you, I want you to respond. On the count of three, one, two, three. If that's you in this place, would you just give me a little wave? If you'd say, yep, I need Jesus. Thank you, I see that hand, bro. Is there anyone else? Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else this morning that would say, yeah, I need Jesus? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, hey, it says all of heaven celebrates when one gives their heart. And this morning, two people gave their hearts to the Lord. Can we celebrate that? See through Powerhouse. It'll always be the greatest miracle. It'll always be the greatest miracle when people say yes to Jesus. We're going to sing something very powerful, very cool piercing. Uh, I don't know what we're going to sing, but it's going to be great. And this is what I want to ask. You're a 9 a.m. service. I don't feel like I need to hype you up. I don't feel like I need to. If, why don't we stand this morning? If that's you as we're worshiping, if you've got a need, if you need a breakthrough, if you have something in your life that's not where you want it to be, I want to encourage you to respond to this altar. We're going to lay holy hands on you, me and the pastoral team, and believe for that to shift. So come on, as we sing, if you've got a need in this place, I want to encourage you to respond. Come to the front. We're going to minister to you this morning.